GHRT Rewinds are brought to you by Laughlin and Wolfington Team, your home sold guaranteed realty. Find out what your home is worth online instantly at LaughlinWolfingtonRealty.com. This is the George Hildrick Tyler Show. G continues his recovery from his flu bug. Our Central Maine Denture Center question of the day online at WVOMFM.com. Prompted by our conversation yesterday about the possibility of a convention of states prompting Congress to consider term limits, it asks, should Maine lawmakers approve a call for a convention of states and prompt Congress to consider term limits? We learned yesterday from Ken Quinn, his organization that seeks term limits, that Maine's Senate today would be considering a bill calling for such a convention. Maine would be the seventh of 34 states needed. An email to us. From Hal Shirtliff, the director of Camp Constitution, asking for an opportunity to join us in conversation and maybe present an alternative view on the matter. Hal, welcome to the George Hill Rick Tyler Show. We appreciate the early morning phone call. Can we start by asking you to tell us about Camp Constitution? What is, who is Camp Constitution, and what do y'all do? Well, yes. First off, thank you for the opportunity. It was one of your listeners that reached out to me and asked me to reach out to you, and it was a very quick turnaround, so I appreciate that. You bet. Uh, Camp Constitution is a New Hampshire-based charitable trust. Uh, We do a number of things, including run a week-long family camp, and we're expecting Tucker Carlson to be one of our speakers this year. What are the concerns that Camp Constitution has to an Article 5 Convention of States? Well, first off, we've never had an Article 5 convention. We've had uh, amendments added to the Constitution through the first part of the process, where Congress, uh, two-thirds of Congress, um, passed the amendment, and it goes to the states for ratification. And there are two ways that uh, Congress can determine how the states will ratify. One is, of course, with the state legislators. The second way is through ratifying conventions. And that's something that are, are the f- folks on the other side don't generally like to bring up that uh, a lot of le- legislators who think that they will have some say on any proposed amendments in Article 5 convention. Well, they may not have any say whatsoever because Congress can say sorry. Um, also, there are no currently, there aren't any rules or laws guiding an Article 5. Congress has tried to a number of times, uh, and under the necessary and proper clause, Article 1, Section 8, I think it's the very last clause that Congress uh, does make the laws concerning things that are in the Constitution. Um, and so we don't know what we're getting into. You know, we have no idea how, how the delegates will be chosen, uh, who they will be. Uh, we don't know where the place will, where it will be held. And we don't know if it will be one vote, one state, which is what was done back in 1787, or it will be electoral college. And I can't tell you that it will be the elector- by electoral votes, but the other side can't say that that won't happen. You also can't limit it a convention. When you look at the wording of an Article 5, it's quite clear. It says uh, the term is amendments. Now, you may try to pass a resolution that will limit the convention to an amendment or a topic, but there's really no way to enforce that. Uh, Even, um, I think it was Judge Bork who uh, uh, mentioned that, he said. But even if they did, even if Congress had some rules and laws, it would be difficult to enforce and some states have passed what they call, uh, I think the term is wayward delegation, delegates, or is another word they use, saying that if they go against uh, whatever the convention is supposed to be, then they'll be punished. But again, they're going to be able to enforce a law that, which, which the, the, the crime is committed outside of the boundaries of the state. Hmm. Not only that, but they act in a federal manner. So the states really can't pass any laws 
that will guide what, uh, what, what delegates will do. And, of course, they're lame ducks. You know, they're there to be at the convention and then go home. So that's the problem there. Now, with term limits... Well, Hal, before you jump to term limits, let me jump in with a couple of questions. And and the first, I'm concerned that I'm hearing that just because we've never done it before is why we shouldn't try it now? Well, what I'm saying is we are in uncharted waters. And when I say there are no laws and rules guiding one. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when Nancy Pelosi said we got to pass the bill to see what's in it, that's sort of a Nancy Pelosi perspective. Well, we really don't know, but we should have one anyway, just for the sake of having one. And we'll see what happens. Hmm. So I think, and I think, by the way, there are lots of well-intentioned people out there. And, I, you know, I'm in touch with them on a regular basis, debating with them. Some have, we've won over to the cause. Um, uh, Sheldon Hannington, who was a state rep up there in uh, Lincoln, yep. Maine, he was one of the sponsors of the resolution uh, a few years ago. And, you know, it wasn't just me, but it was a few others. And he looked at it, and uh, I have him on video say, I said, why, why did you change? And he said, I simply just got educated on it and did my, did my research. Hmm. So, Okay, and now you talked to, about, about term limits. There are those that say it's a good idea. Some are concerned that there is a risk of losing institutional knowledge. And then there's the L word, lobbyists, and what influence they'll have on freshmen or sophomore or even junior uh, lawmakers. Where does Camp Constitution come down on the issue of term limits? Well, we believe that our founders gave us term limits with, with the concept of frequent elections. So every two years, every single member of the House of Representatives is up for re-election, and one-third of the Senate is up for re-election. And the same thing applies to most states, too. Every, and some states have governors that just are like in New Hampshire, two-year terms. So that's where I think the term limit should be. Now, these, this sounds appealing. You know, throw the bums out. You know, you get people that have been there. You've got your congressional delegation. Isn't, I mean, if you're a conservative, limited government person, you're not too happy with your congressional delegation. So term limit sounds very appealing. But when you term limit, you'll get the so-called bums out. You get some of the good people out, too. For example, Rand Paul. He's on his um, – this is, this is a second term. And if a term limit amendment says no more than two six-year terms, so, sorry, Rand, you're out of there. And then you, you know, so that's one of the issues. But also, I think there's some. We know we have voter complacency. That's that's been a problem. You know, small low turnouts in many elections, especially town elections. But at the federal level, um, so now you're going to have uh, some some people will say, well, I don't like my member of Congress, but my goodness, you know, he, he or she will be termed out in so many years. So that's that's I think, and also there's a problem of a permanent lame duck Congress. You know, you know, lame duck obviously is when somebody who is in office is not seeking re-election. And you imagine a whole member, a body of Congress that is lame duck. <laughs> you imagine the potential damage that would cause. Well, that's why I mentioned lobbyists, and I think other listeners have had uh, similar concerns. And I'm looking at some of the text messages coming in in our conversation with Hal Shirtlip, the director of Camp Constitution. Uh, some concerns about an Article 5 convention of states and calling for term limits on Congress. He's explaining why here on Augusta Waterville's news talk station, VOM, when you have lame ducks and perhaps you have uh, uneducated, uninformed, unexperienced lawmakers, lobbyists can sway more power over them. That's correct. That's that's correct. There's, there's no question about that. And we, you ask anybody who's been in office, the lobbyists um, really have a lot of influence. There's a lot of money given out and Sometimes you you send your your person to D.C. or or to Augusta, and then you say, "What's going? On? Why they why did they vote for this? Why did they vote? Oh, why did they vote against that?" You see, um, 
and I think that's that's an important issue. Uh, there are some listeners that are writing to us. You haven't talked about money yet. When you have a sitting lawmaker for a long time, there's more likelihood that money can come into your state. I, now, I think that listener is referring to what we're seeing now with Senator Susan Collins, who, after years and years and years in Washington, now has the gavel on appropriations, and there's quite a bit of money coming back to her home state. And as this is my thought in no one else's house, so if it's a bad one, you can toss me under the bus. And that is when that money comes into the state, that's less money that's going to have to come out of the pockets of property taxpayers for needed, needed improvements to their infrastructure in their community, fire, first responders, uh, sewage treatment plants. That's just an example of some of what we've seen in our state. Well, this is, the, this is one of the big problems we have. The federal government has no congressional, uh, I should say, constitutional authority to send billions of dollars to the states. So the states become beholden to the federal government. And, you know, the people use the word, there are, there are, um, there are uh, what you call strings attached to federal money. No, it's really chains attached to federal money. <laughs> you know, you do this or else. And so, yes, I know they'll say the member of Congress has been the longest, brings home the bacon, but, but they take away the stove as well, so you can't cook the bacon. But there's a, there's, you know, there's a few more issues along you know, the problems with term limits. They think that by having term limits, uh, we'll get rid of the bad guys. So look at your first district, for example, uh, Pingree. She's been there for quite a long time, and her voting record from a conservative perspective is pretty bad. But she seems to win by about, you know, 60, 40 margins, 65. She last election, I think 65 percent of the voters supported her. That's a that's hard to overcome that. So you might limit at her, but you're going to get someone just like her. If you don't change the voting habits and the the ideology, the makeup, the um, and, and unfortunately, most voters are not necessarily ideologically driven. They listen to a couple of attack ads and they say, oh, my goodness, they're going to cut my, it's going to cut my Social Security. I better support. And they don't really get into the, you know, in it too deeply. And so, yeah, you get rid of her, but you get someone just like her You can get rid of Nancy Pelosi. You, you get someone just like her or maybe even worse if that's possible. So, you know, term limits isn't going to necessarily get you that that um, advocate of limited government. It's going to get you someone just like it. It's like revolving socialists. We, we do know that trying to call a convention of states is one thing. It's a heavy lift on its own to get, what, 34 of the states. And Maine will only be the seventh, even if the measure before Maine State Senate today made it from that chamber to the other chamber and eventually through the rest of the House and, and Senate final votes. And then there's getting Congress to do what you're saying that you want it to do. What are the odds? I don't know what the odds are. Now, this particular uh, your resolution SP 7705 is it's, uh, very unique because you actually have two applications in one. One of them is the, the term limits, and the other one is with group, this group called Wolfpack, which is a far-left group founded by Cenk Uger of, of um, the Young Turks, so which is kind of interesting why a group that's, you know, I know they work with Democrats, but it's more moderate to conservative that would, would throw their lot in with Wolfpack. Uh, so... I don't know. I don't. And, and you need two thirds, I think, in uh, Maine to get a resolution passed. So it might be difficult. But right now, I think uh, there's a group called Convention of States, and they have 19 applications. And of course, over the past 250 years, there's been hundreds of applications. Many of them rescinded. Maine actually has several applications for an Article Five for different reasons. 
uh, going back over 100 years, or even more than 100 years. And there's a possibility that they would try to, uh, you know, there's some thought of getting all these and counting them all as one, you know, all these resolutions for different purposes, and then you'd reach that threshold of 34. And this is why there are some folks around the country that are rescinding Article 5 resolutions. And I think in the last, since 16, I think six states have rescinded all of their Article 5 resolutions. Again, some going back, you know, many, many years. We actually have two applications that have not been rescinded, to my knowledge, that were the first two applications in 17, um, 1788 or 89, that would be Virginia and New York calling for a, a general convention, which is what they used to be, said, because that's what the Article 5 says. It doesn't say you can limit it. It says you, you, uh, you apply for one and Congress calls it. GHRT Rewinds are brought to you by Laughlin and Wolfington Team, your home sold guaranteed realty. Find out what your home is worth online instantly at LaughlinWolfingtonRealty.com.